Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Oh My Allergies podcast. This is your hostess with the mostest, Valencia. And if you are new here, the Oh My Allergies podcast is a podcast about all things allergies. Whether you have food allergies, seasonal allergies, skin allergies, or even your pet has allergies, Oh My Allergies is a safe space for discussions for those that need a bit of advice and support from someone who understands their struggle. Let's learn how to navigate life and learn how to thrive with our allergies together. Hey guys, welcome to or welcome back to the Oh My Allergies podcast. So before we get started, like we normally do, we do all the housekeeping things. So make sure you are subscribed to the Oh My Allergies podcast on your podcast platform of choice. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, the whole nine, wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the Oh My Allergies podcast on Instagram, which is at Oh My Allergies to keep up with what we are doing and to see some really fun content on there. Rate and review the podcast, hopefully it is five stars, fingers crossed, on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, and keep on sharing the podcast with people you know and don't know. So today's episode, we actually have a special guest on the podcast. I am talking with Rachel and Leah Packer of the YouTube channel, Because I Said So, Cooking For You. I really enjoyed having the conversation with them. We talked about their allergy journey as a family, Crohn's disease, navigating the kitchen with food allergies, why they started their YouTube channel, and honestly, just so much more. But before we get into the conversation, you guys know I got to tell you all what's been going on. So what's been going on with me? Well, this week I am still in the middle of finals, but I am wrapping up my finals, which I am so excited about, but also it's kind of bittersweet because this is actually my last finals week ever of like undergrad, which is just very hard to think about and really hard to be like, wow, like this is it. Like this is the end. It's like so crazy. Um, But I am actually in the middle of writing my last essay. So thankfully in that class, we were supposed to have an exam, but the professor ended up changing it into it being an essay, which if you guys listened to last week's episode, then you know that I prefer essays over exams any day. I'm just really, really excited about the format of the final. Not that I have to do the final because I'd rather do other things than write an essay, but it is what it is and we are just going to get her done uh, this past weekend. Oh uh, my gosh, I had a headache with literally one of my finals. I'm recording this on a Sunday and this actually happened to me earlier today. So it's very fresh in my mind as I'm talking to you guys about this. So, okay, how do I explain this? So I was in the middle of finishing a final paper that I had for one of my classes, one of my communication classes. And I was writing it. I was done. I had enough time to be able to grammar check it, make sure I properly cited everything, all of those different types of things. So when I go to try to um, end up saving the document right before I go to actually submit it, my Microsoft Word app on my computer started crashing and it would just freeze up and then I'd have to force quit it, but then it wouldn't save 
like where I was last when I was in the document. And so it was just very frustrating because I could not do anything with the document. Like it was like, it was weird. Like, I think there was something wrong with the document. Like there were words that were in the document, but it wasn't being seen. So I guess it was more so focused. Like, I don't even really know how to actually explain what happened. But it was like my computer was going really slow. Microsoft Word was just not wanting to work for me. Then my computer magically popped up and said, yeah, oh yeah, by the way, you're running out of disk space and your memory is kind of whack. So I was like, okay, so I'm running out of memory and I'm running out of space on my computer. So this is just great. And I have literally minutes before this final is due. So I'm like freaking out and I'm like, email my professor and then I'm like I hope the professor is looking at their email because I know I probably wouldn't be on a Sunday so I was like oh my gosh like I was so stressed out I was on the verge of tears because I was like I am so close to the finish line I cannot let one final not allow me to graduate so I was just like oh my gosh like I was just freaking out I was able to finally be able to turn in my final paper for this class but gosh it was just it was just one of it was like a roller coaster with this paper and so I'm just happy that it's just out of my possession right now like I'm just so happy but that was how my Sunday went and then like I had some things to do for my sorority today as well um but we're just basically just wrapping up the school year and it's kind of bittersweet especially because I'm leaving my chapter and it was very it was very sad day today because we were all crying and I'm not a crier but I was a crier today and it was just so weird to like reflect on my experience in college and just to think about what it was like stepping foot on my campus the first day and to see where I am now and where I'm gonna go in the future is very exciting but a little bit scary but that's that's pretty much what I've been up to. I've literally been live, breathing, and eating my computer because of finals. But yeah, that's basically what's been going on with me. Just been very focused on school, focusing on finishing strong, and trying to look towards the end of the week of when I get my degree. Well, I won't actually get my degree, you know, because they don't mail it, but you know what I'm saying. But that's basically what's been going on with me. So I guess now I will get right into my foodie likes. So the first foodie like I'm going to be talking about is from the brand 365 by Whole Foods Market surprise not me um, it's the Korean barbecue sprouted brown rice crisp I think I got the name correct I'm literally looking up the name now to make sure that I'm saying it correct and I'm not missing anything but yeah that is the name and these have I don't really know how to describe the flavor but the flavor of them is just very unique like it's sweet but like not too sweet and I like how it's a little bit of spicy, but it's not too spicy because I like spice, but I don't want to feel like I'm eating a jalapeno all the time. But 
the flavor of it is very, very strong, but they are so good. Um, I was looking for something to add into my rotation when it came to like little like snacks because as you guys know, I'm a big fan of the dang rice crisp and the flavor uh, sriracha. So I was really big fan of those and I was looking for something that was kind of similar but a little bit different and this kind of hit the mark for me. So they taste really good. They're made with sprouted brown rice and cauliflower, believe it or not, but it's a very unique texture to them. I don't even know how to explain like when you see them you think that they're gonna taste like a rice cake but because of the cauliflower like it kind of tastes like a half rice cake but the flavor is really good I know when I looked up reviews online beforehand like got a lot of very mixed reviews but I personally like them and I get them all the time when we go like if I'm low on them I will get a new bag and it's just really really tasty and there's like the salty and the sweet you can taste the barbecue you can taste hints of garlic you can taste hints of onion so if that sounds something that's really interesting to you then I highly recommend trying them because they are just chef's kiss they are just so good the next foodie like that I'm gonna talk to you guys about is from the brand sweet earth and it's one of their plant-based deli slices products so it's their applewood smoked flavor ham deli slices and it's vegan deli meat so what we've been doing lately with it is putting it actually on pizza uh, because we've been getting um, Whole Foods' uh, pizza crust. They actually make just a pizza crust that you can just put in the oven for about maybe like seven to 10 minutes long without having to get like the ones that look like tortillas. Like this is like New York style pizza crust and it is literally the bomb.com. Highly recommend. That's another one of my foodie likes. We've just been getting them so much when we're in the mood for pizza just because it's such an easy option. There's not a lot of bad ingredients in there or really any at all. It's super clean. It tastes really good. And it's a good option if you don't want to have to deal with pizza dough and you kind of want it ready already. And plus, compared to how many slices you're able to get out of it, it doesn't really cost too much. And plus, normally it's on sale when we get it. So normally it's maybe around like $3.99 or something like that. And I think regularly it prices for around like 6 or $7, which still is pretty good. But we've been getting that crust from Whole Foods and then topping the pizza with some vegan cheese and then getting these um, meatless ham slices and putting them on there. And guys, like just the flavor of the ham slices is just literally out of this world. Like they are just so good. I highly recommend even if you don't eat meatless or plant-based or whatever, however you eat, it just tastes really fresh. The spices are just so delicious. Um, my mom recently used the ham slices and made a sandwich and said that it tasted delicious. So highly, highly, highly recommend. It's so versatile. You can put it on pizza. You can use it for a sandwich. You can use it for a breakfast sandwich. You can put it in salad. Highly recommend you try these meatless deli slices from Sweet Earth because they are just so good. So good. But those are my foodie likes for this week. So with that being said, I'm going to get right into the allergy news. So this week's allergy news article comes from Eat This Not That and the article is titled This Food is Becoming a Bigger Allergy Threat Than Nuts Data Says. So in this article they talk about how 
a lot of parents know how seriously American schools have taken nut allergies in recent years. You know, we've talked about on the podcast how there's a lot more peanut-free classrooms and nut-free classrooms and things of that sort that are coming, whether you're in elementary, middle, high school, or even on the college level. So now they're saying that medical experts are reporting that there's a new food allergy threat that's every bit as serious. And it's something that's been a staple part of the American diet for so many years. And it's a food that some may say is going to be harder to get rid of from all the places that children go. And it's, drum roll please, da 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 Cow's milk. WebMD has reported that food-induced allergic reactions led to a 25% increase in hospitalizations among children between 2006 and 2012, which is according to an analysis of pediatric hospital data that was performed in 2019. And so they're saying that now cow's milk is the most common food allergen in children who are younger than five years old. And then even in the UK, cow's milk was the food allergy that was most likely to lead to death in school-aged children, which is just very, very sad to hear. As a person who has a dairy allergy, it's not fun being allergic to dairy because a lot of kids get made fun of because they're like, oh, you don't get to have ice cream or, oh, you don't get to have cereal and blah, 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 blah. But the article is talking about how having a allergy to cow's milk is one of the most distressing of the food allergies. And it's just because a lot of people are unaware that it can cause anaphylaxis, which is, as we've talked about on the podcast, such a very severe situation. Um, and now a lot of people do not think about how much of cow's milk is in the food that a lot of people traditionally eat every day. It's like I said, it's something that's in ice cream. It's something that's in cereal bars. It's something that's even in some chips that you purchase from the store. So if you are a big fan of like sour cream and onion chips or cheddar cheese flavored chips or really anything like that, normally it has milk in there. And that's something that I think a lot of people do not realize. And so they're talking about how a report is explaining how cow's milk has been such a popular drink for children because of its being very appealing to calcium and vitamins and having other nutrients in it like protein. But some of these very same proteins are very triggering that the body identifies and attacks, which produces the allergic reaction that we've talked about on the podcast so much. It can be something that's considered on the lower end of the spectrum all the way up to being full-blown anaphylaxis and how they say some experts say all of this is why it's so important to be able to educate the public about the dangers of dairy today. So I think that it's very interesting that more and more articles are coming out talking about how cow's milk might be a threat to society but I think it's very interesting because I've seen like different articles and claims online about how they say like the good majority of people actually have some sort of intolerance or they're allergic or or something like that so I think that it's just very interesting that now more and more we're starting to see more reports saying how cow's milk might not even be the best for humans or it might just be because it's becoming much more of a bigger food allergy threat and having cow's milk to me it's always been something that's just been really weird that I feel like society kind of has really just accepted the fact that humans drink cow's milk and I know when I talk with my friends I always bring up well 
can you imagine a cow drinking your mother's breast milk? And then people are like, no, that's just so weird. And I'm like, okay, well, if that concept's weird, then why do you think that it's okay for you to drink cow's milk? And then people are like, well, I never really thought about it like that. And I'm like, well, when you kind of put things in perspective like that, it's kind of weird that humans are drinking milk from another animal. Like, it's just kind of weird how that concept is. So hopefully more and more studies and articles are going to come out talking about why food allergies should be taken seriously and how I think cow's milk is kind of one of those allergies that people tend to forget about or tend to not really fully understand it and the symptoms and the anaphylaxis that could be attached to it depending on how your body reacts to it. So I think, you know, it's really important for more and more of these types of articles to surface so that we can keep having these discussions on why the public should be more informed in terms of the different food allergies that are out there and how they can affect different people and how just because you might not be familiar with the allergy doesn't mean that A, it doesn't exist and B, that it's not as important as other ones that are more so in your face. But that is this week's allergy news. Like always, the allergy news article will be linked in the show notes. I know last week, if you were one of the very first people to listen to the podcast, the show notes uh, did not have the allergy news article. So we were able to update that, but usually we're pretty good with being able to uh, have the allergy news article that's discussed in each episode linked in the show notes. So hopefully when you go to listen to this episode and you look into the show notes, you will see this week's allergy news article because normally it's always there just so that you can be able to do your own research and look at the article yourself because we don't touch everything that's in these articles. So we always try to promote and make sure that you're doing your own research and you are reading these articles as well. With that being said, we're going to get right into today's episode, the meat of the episode, which is my conversation with Rachel and Leah Packer of Because I Said So, the YouTube channel. So we're going to talk about cooking with food allergies. We're going to be talking about their family's allergy journey and we're even going to play a really fun game at the end. Before we dive right into today's conversation, I want to tell you a little bit more about today's guest. So Rachel holds a Master of Social Work from Yeshiva University and currently works as a freelance writer and wellness coach with an emphasis on food allergies, nutrition, and recipe development. Her interest in nutrition directly correlates to her son's food allergies and her daughter's diagnosis with Crohn's disease. During quarantine, Rachel and her her daughter Leah created Because I Said So, a YouTube mother-daughter cooking show teaching college students easy recipes. Leah is an undergraduate student at the University of Maryland with a double major in theater and communications. She is a performer, a writer for Broadway World, and the content creator for Because I Said So, where she manages the creation, filming, editing, and marketing. While they were excited to create Because I Said So, they were worried that their food allergies and restrictions would cause people to ignore their recipes, and they never even dreamed that the exact opposite would happen. They are continually climbing with multiple requests for allergy-free recipes across the demographic board. This quirky show, complete with a dose of mother-daughter banter, now provides weekly basic recipes that are inclusive to all, especially those with food allergies. So let's get right into today's conversation with today's guest, which is Rachel and Leah Packer of Because I Said So, Cooking For You. Welcome to the Oh My Allergies podcast, Because I Said So, with Rachel and Leah Packer. How are you all doing? Oh, we're doing great. This is so exciting. 
yeah, I'm so happy to have you guys on here to be able to talk about, you know, your YouTube channel, which is so fun and exciting. Oh, and thank you. you. <laughs> yeah. And to be able to talk about, you know, food allergies and all those other different types of things. But before we get started, um, each episode, I talk about my foodie likes. So basically, I talk about my favorite items that are food related. It could, you know, be a snack. It could be a book about food. It could be a favorite meal that you just had recently, whatever floats your boat. So I wanted to ask you all, what are some of your favorite foodie likes right now? Ooh, oh my gosh. What are Go some of your, oh, me? Yeah, you can start. Okay, what are some of my favorite foodie likes recently? <laughs> oh my goodness. So we make this one dish called jeweled quinoa. It's like quinoa and there's like all different types of veggies in it. So like butternut squash and roasted onions. And we just made it last week. We just celebrated Passover, which is a Jewish holiday. We just made it for Passover. I think I ate like 9,000 servings. It was so <laughs> good. I can't stop thinking about it. Like it was yeah. so good. It's always a challenge challenge finding stuff for your vegetarian daughter who has been a declared vegetarian since she was like six years old when she read, I read a poem she read the poem <laughs> of the turkey's point of view by shell silverstein which empathetically talks no about way. the turkey and how they feel on thanksgiving i said that's it i'm done and she's like that's it i'm like thanks shell thanks <laughs> yeah mom's not too fond of old shell <laughs> oh wow so jeweled quinoa has That's become a big, foodie like. a big foodie like. What's one of your foodie likes? Okay, well, I'm a classic kind of girl. Like, I am all about the chocolate chip cookie. Ooh. I, like, that is it. Like, you can offer, like, a really fancy dessert or something that's really complicated looking or really decadent. But if you offer me, like, a cup of coffee and a really solid chocolate chip cookie, I am yours. Yeah, that's, that's a big foodie like for you. I feel it like it's a constant foodie like for you. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I'm all about the classic chocolate chip cookie. And it has to be a good cookie. It can't be. Oh, my God. No, no but no, I'm, I'm get very that, particular I... about chocolate chip cookies, <laughs> right? It has to be the quintessential chocolate chip cookie. It has to emulate everything. Oh, I my God. Oh, my God. In a chocolate chip cookie. No, I definitely agree with both. I know for me growing up, I never really was too big of a fan of quinoa. I didn't really like the texture that well. But now that I'm older mm -hmm. and in college and stuff, like I love quinoa. And so that jeweled quinoa sounds delicious. So I'm definitely gonna have to try that. Yeah. And then for cookies, chocolate chip cookies, always been a really big fan of chocolate chip cookies. And I'm also particular about how they are too, yeah. because I don't like ones that are like too crunchy, Correct. but then I don't like ones that are like too, too soft where it's like, like you just blow on it and it breaks. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> so like, I'm, I'm with you. I'm so with funny. you. The other thing I'm huge on is, I, I know this sounds really silly, but oh God, what? It, it kind of saved us. It is roasted vegetables. Like you can take- Your foodie-like is roasted it vegetables? It is. Because you, can take, you can take an ordinary vegetable and you can elevate it by roasting it. Okay. It, it brings out all the caramelization. Okay, you're laughing at me. It's a real shame that you can't see an eye roll through a podcast. <laughs> Just imagine the emoji. <laughs> all the time. You know how they all float up at yes, once? Yes. Yeah, that's her. All the oh time. Oh my goodness. All the time. Okay, I'll take roasted veggies. That's fine. If that's you get fine. me mad, my New York accent's going to come out. So. <laughs> we'll talk about roasted veggies. <laughs> no, I love, I understand that though, because... I wasn't a fan of Brussels sprouts until I had a roasted Brussels sprout. And then that completely changed my life. So I get that. 
It does. They taste so amazing and it's so easy and it's a great way to get people to eat their vegetables. Good point, good point. Listen, I this gosh. is what I do. I tell people how to roast vegetables. So. Especially with an air fryer. I An air fryer has definitely become my best friend. I love the air fryer. Oh, well, we, have, we need we to have, get that. We have not crossed over to the air fryer We yet. think about it like we see it in like those like Best Buy catalogs and I like circle it with a black Sharpie. Like this. <laughs> definitely this. a gadget that I have not... Um, succumb to highly recommend it me and my family we use it pretty much every single night whether it's roasting vegetables whether i roast like chickpeas in it whether that's being able to make like homemade like home fries or whether it's putting fish in there because i'm a pescatarian myself um just it i just love it it's just so diverse you can use it for so many different things i i love it so Highly recommend. That may, sounds so good. I'm, we may have to buy one. Yeah, we are right after this. <laughs> <laughs> but another question I have for you guys is if you could describe, you know, having food allergies, having, you know, immune conditions, kind of all of that type of stuff in one word, what would it be and why? <laughs> we should, we should do the exact same thing. Um, challenging. I get that. It's very challenging. I was going to say that my word is frustrating, which it definitely, definitely is. But I'm trying to think of a word where it shows that there's a challenging side to it, but there's also, I'm not going to say positive, but there's things that I've learned from it that's kind of connected me to a new community and made me, I guess, a more understanding person. So if you can sum all of that up in a word, I'm trying to think of it currently. It's definitely made us more compassionate about other people's causes. Um, yeah. You know, we understand what it's like to have autoimmune issues, food allergies. It's definitely made us more sensitive to other, other people's issues. Uh, so I think it has, in, in that respect, there's a positive there just because. Yeah. I think, yeah. I've, I think I've decided on my word, by the way. Okay, go ahead. My word is journey. Ah, yes, because I feel like that gets the ups and the downs. It's definitely a process and there's no like real finish line to it. So we're on this journey. I'm sure so many listeners just went, oh my God. Is there a groan emoji? (laughs) But that is my word. That is my word. No, but I, I agree with both of them because especially when I first found out that I had food allergies, it was, you know, very frustrating and it is a continuous journey that you're on, you know, every single day and there's highs, like you said, and then there's lows, like real low lows, you know, whether you have allergies or immune conditions or both, you know, it's definitely, I like to say it's a roller coaster yes. for sure. It is a roller coaster. Oh, yes. And I think it makes you really appreciative of the good days. Um, being more grateful Mm -hmm. for the days where you don't really think about it or it's not bothering you as much or you know you don't have any pain that day or that's a really good point so it it really does make you think about um you know just it makes you grateful for your body and how it functions and when it's functioning yeah for sure. And being able to, like you said, appreciate like the smaller things in life. And, you know, when you typically, if you 
don't have to deal with any types of, you know, immune conditions or allergies or different types of like restrictions of some sort. You don't really tend to think about those types of things. Like you said, you know, it has made me personally be more considerate of, you know, my surroundings and who I'm around and, you know, trying to make sure that, you know, not only am I safe, but the people around me are safe too, because you don't know who you could be around, you know, whether you're in a classroom and you could be around somebody that has peanut allergies or, or dairy allergies or weed allergies or whatever the case may be. You just don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. But now I want to ask you guys the question of the Oh My Allergies podcast, which is, what is your Oh My Allergy story? All right. Also, um, viewers, if you're listening to this, you couldn't see, but I did a nice drum roll for that. They're listeners, not viewers. Not viewers. <gasps> Sorry, podcast <laughs> listeners. Okay. Go. I think your mom is here. Oh my gosh. Just tell her <laughs> Oh My Allergy story. <laughs> you know, it's a really long story, so I will consolidate it. Um, we've actually been dealing with food allergies for 14 years. And of that 14 years, she hasn't even had food allergies. That came actually later on after she was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, where we figured out that she also had food allergies. That's chapter two. We'll That's chapter, chapter two. Um, but 14 years ago, I mean, when you think about the, the landscape, it was so hard 14 years ago, because 14 years ago, when you, again, when you think about it, there was no robust internet at that point. You know, there wasn't a lot of social media. Um, and whatever social media we had was really in its infancy. You know, Facebook was literally just a few years old. I don't even think we had Instagram yet. There was no Snapchat. So we didn't have any of the support, you know, groups and recipes and hey, and you know, do you know what this is? And did you hear the ingredients on that? We didn't have any of that. We didn't have anything on the market. There were like two chocolate like enjoy life, I think was like one of the first in Vermont chocolate or something. Um, there was like nothing on the market really that was safe. Mm -hmm. So it was a real struggle for me as, you know, a young mom with a, just- You three, didn't even say who had allergies. Yeah, it was our son, my son, Ari, who is 16 now. And he was what, four at the time? Yeah. Um, three he was, he was three. allergic to eggs citrus at the time which he outgrew yeah. and nuts not tree nuts and peanuts yeah and it was unfortunate we had a very insensitive doctor at the time who basically said oh yeah here's a five page list of everything you can't eat and here's your epi and see ya so wow. yeah we didn't have support groups uh, i didn't know where to look there weren't a lot of you know really reputable websites at that point about food allergies it was mostly a lot of people in chat rooms and each one, each story scarier than the other. So it was really hard for me, um, a lousy cook and not a baker, <laughs> kind of like a bake-a-phobe I called myself, you know, who relied on a lot of store-bought items to now I actually had to like figure it all out. And, I, and there were no cookbooks. There were no food allergy cookbooks. There were vegan cookbooks which took care of the egg thing, but you know, vegan cookbook has a lot of nut stuff in them also as fillers and binders and whatever. So I had to really kind of pick through a lot of things and start to sort of pick up the pieces and make sure that everybody, I mean, I 
if I tell you that Ari ate more yogurt that year, than he ate so much yogurt than any year. I, mean, <laughs> I remember that. Cause that's all I felt safe giving him was with that had some kind of protein. It was like yogurt and fruit. And yeah, cause he didn't like meat and nobody was eating vegetables cause I hadn't learned how to roast them yet. Oh my God. So um, <laughs> it was a real struggle. I just remember the family diet being very limited. We were scared a lot and oh. I didn't have allergies at the oh, time, wow. but I ate like egg and nut free for Ari. Like I, I didn't, I was like eight and I, yeah. I still knew that something was like different. So, you know, the thing is, is you, you really, when you're faced with these kinds of issues, you know, with adversity, you have two choices. I mean, you can sit in the closet and cry, which I did very <laughs> often. Um, but at some point, you know, I had to pull myself together and really feed my family and figure out how to do it. And, and you did. And I did. You really did. Uh, but it took a while. It wasn't easy. It's not a Cinderella story. And it's... There was a lot of trial and error. There, oh, yes. I remember my, there were some recipes that tasted My poor awful, kids awful. were like guinea pigs. I mean, even the ducks on, our, on the lake would not eat would your biscuits. Would not eat the biscuits. <laughs> I mean, it was, some of it was pretty bad. Holidays were kind of lackluster because all of the things that we would normally associate with a holiday, you know, food-wise, you mm -hmm. know, symbolic foods or, you know, family traditions, I didn't know how to make them. I would always buy them. So I would always try to emphasize other things about the holiday, you know, that didn't deal with food. But the fact is, is that there's a huge connection with culture and food. And food. You can't deny it. Right. And the kids knew it. And I'm like, oh, don't worry, guys. We'll just make a really pretty table setting and it'll all be great. <laughs> like, yeah, but what about? I think the special thing, though, was that every year there was improvement. Like every year there was a new dish you learned how to make. Every year there was a new cookbook. Every year you found someone new. And every year got better until honestly, like growing up, I, I knew I had allergies. Well, that comes later, but growing up, I knew we were an allergy friendly household. And while it affected my life, I also was able to eat like everywhere because I had stuff that you made. Mm -hmm. And I think that every year got a little bit easier. Um, my part of the story comes in about... 10 years later, after Ari was first diagnosed with food allergies? Yeah, it yeah. was 13. Yeah, 13. 10 years later, we were kind of in our nice allergy groove. Um, things baking, were, things were quote, 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 normal. normal. Baking egg-free, baking nut-free, life was all right. We had our um, alternative little baggies. Whenever they had like birthday parties at school, I'd be like, I've got my cookies, it's okay. Like mm -hmm. we were okay. Um, <laughs> when I was 12 years old, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, which is an autoimmune condition where basically my immune system attacks my small intestine. It causes a lot of like stomach pain, joint pain, and it doesn't go away. Like there's treatment, but there's no cure. So when I first got diagnosed, my stomach was a mess. I couldn't eat anything. Like everything hurt. So now we were faced with not only the obstacle of cooking allergen-free, but giving me something that I could physically eat. I couldn't, they didn't want to like disrupt my stomach or my like gut, which was like really healing. So I couldn't eat seeds, gluten, dairy, beans, kind raw of vegetables. Hard for a vegetarian. Yeah, I know. Raw vegetables, anything that wasn't yeah. cooked because it like hurt. So I think I was living off of like smoothies. cheese and crackers no. and smoothies. Smoothies and 
gluten-free crackers. We bought those grind. I used to make vegetables. Literally, if you blew, if you blew, blew on, it, on it, went, it, it would like just collapse. <laughs> and I would, you know, make all sorts of purees and oh, a lot of purees. But I got, I started getting better. My gut started healing. It was a few months later. And then I was diagnosed with food allergies. So I guess she had a reaction. I had a reaction at school because nuts always made my tongue itch. And I was like, are there nuts in this? And they were like, no. And I was like, okay. Like looking back, I can't believe I would ever do that. But I was like, okay. So I had a cookie that had macadamia nuts in it. I had a pretty significant reaction. I didn't have to go to the hospital, but it was enough to have to leave school. Um, And then I went to the doctor and we found out that I was allergic to all nuts and they gave me my EpiPen and I was on my way. But now I, it sounds so easy when you say it. I know, right? (laughs) Then I've kind of gone from, (laughs) it wasn't that simple, but okay. I had gone from living like secondhand through my brother. Like I always would do anything to protect him, but now I'd gone from that to like feeling that fear in myself. All of a sudden I couldn't share lunches. I couldn't like swap food with my friends, like Ari had grown up allergy free, but I had grown up eating what I wanted outside of the house. So now I had to start being scared. Like, and then it was a whole nother development for me to start learning how to navigate high school. Cause I was very close to high school and I got diagnosed navigating high school, navigating social scenes, and then navigating college with food allergies, but. And Crohn's. And Crohn's. It was a double whammy, but. I think I'm good now. And hey, I can eat seeds again. <laughs> Woohoo! And vegetables. And vegetables. So I healed from But that. that's not to say that there aren't. Like, you know, autoimmune diseases. We there's say, good days and bad days. There's good days and bad days. It's never linear. It's like a leaky boat. You know, one, you, you spring a leak and you plug it up, plug it up. And, and another, another one springs. <laughs> and, and, but that's the nature, I think, of chronic illness. And I think there's a lot of people who think, oh, you just change your diet and you can get rid of it. But that doesn't always work. Um, it may work for some. It doesn't work for others. Yeah. Uh, it's a very unique person by person. Crohn's is a very unique. There is no one diet for Crohn's. Um, it really depends on just you. like there's also no one treatment plan for food allergies. This is true. I mean, there I'm sure Aside similar diets. Avoidance. Don't eat nuts. Don't eat eggs. But like you Aside know, what I mean. but um, there is no one diet. It's really you know it, there's so many factors that go into treating each person's individual Crohn's. There's the severity of the Crohn's, where it's located, symptoms, how, symptoms, how long you've I mean, there's so many different also factors. certain foods can, certain foods or environmental responses can like trigger, they call it a flare up. So like right now, my Crohn's is in remission. So I look to the average person, perfectly healthy. I can do anything you can do, I can do with a bad stomach. But if like sometimes I'm really, really stressed or sometimes I get very sick, or I eat a food that hurts my stomach, it can trigger what they call a flare up. So I think autoimmune disease teaches us that you can't always go so hard and on you shouldn't have to. It shouldn't be like, go, 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 go all the time. You know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I've heard people say things like that. Like there's, I don't need to sleep. Well, actually you really do need to sleep and your immune system right. needs you to sleep. And I think it has really taught us, it has humbled us and, and myself included, and I don't have Crohn's, but it has taught me to respect our body. I was about to say that. Okay, well, sorry. I got I'll say my first. other thing next. Okay. <laughs> um, I think it's been a real lesson for us over the last few years in terms of what we need to do to take care of ourselves. And, you know, you don't have to run the farthest or the hardest or lift the hardest, or, you know, um, you have to treat your body 
well. You have to give it rest. You have to give it water. You have to give it nourishing food and you have to give it self-care. And I think, um, I mean, you can, I'm sure you can talk about this, you know, living in college, it's not, and you can talk about it also um, once you that, you know, living in college, it's not always, it's not always easy to do that. I think it's also taught me a lot about, and this goes, this ties in with food allergies directly, but it's taught me a lot about the power of not being afraid to ask for what you need from others. Um, With Crohn's, sometimes I have to ask for special accommodations or I have to ask for an extension because I'm not feeling well. Like that was a really hard thing to learn how to do to ask for help. And it's the same with food allergies. I used to hate going to restaurants with my friends because Leia had to call the manager. Leia had to speak with a chef. Leia couldn't order unless it was not free. And I would get laughed at and I would be so ashamed of that. But it took me a really long time to not be afraid to clearly state what I can and can't do and clearly state my boundaries. And there should be no shame in saying, I can't eat this or can I see a manager? And that's still something I'm really grappling with because it is hard to be looked at as quote, quote, different or quote, quote, the odd one out, but there should be no shame in taking care of our bodies and asking for what we need. I think it's taught me a lot about that. Yeah, that's something that I deal with, especially when I was, you know, living on campus before the whole zoom university thing happened uh with (laughs) with with the the cafeteria at my university and having it where you know people would give me odd looks if they saw that I had a different meal than everybody else because you know I would go and communicate with the head chef in my cafeteria I was like hey like you know these are the things that I'm allergic to what can you all do to be able to accommodate for that especially because one of the main reasons why I chose my university was because of them having like all these big signs talking about food allergies and having you know a section for like gluten-free breads and you know dairy-free this and vegan station this and you know, all of these other different friendly options. And so having it where you have to, you know, constantly defend yourself into why you're always asking questions or why you're always like, let me see a manager, like you mentioned, Leah, and, you know, having to kind of be like, this is the reason why, and then having to deal with eye rolls, people not understanding where you're coming from, people thinking like you can just, you know, pick the cheese off if you have a dairy allergy or it's that's happened to me so many times or having it where, you know, this, it reminds me of an instance where I was at a summer camp and they were ordering pizza and I had told them that I have, you know, dairy allergies. And, you know, they said they were going to order me, you know, a pizza that didn't have any cheese on it, which was fine with me. Cause that's normally how I eat my pizza anyway. Um, and then I would kept getting questioned by other people at the camp, like, oh, well, should you not be eating pizza anyway because of this being in, in the pizza crust, of dairy being in the pizza crust? I'm like, there's no dairy in pizza crust. <laughs> but, <laughs> and it's just having to deal with people thinking like they know more about yeah. your yeah. allergies uh, or commune conditions more than you do. Right. It's like, oh. I've been living with this for years, so. We actually had a waiter. When I knew you were about to say this. so funny. <laughs> We had a waiter once. He didn't think he knew more. He was just trying to show us that he knew oh, God, something. The story but he really so did it. We went to this pizza place that we had heard was not free, and we were very mm-hmm. excited about it. So of course we sit down. We ask all the questions. You know, is there egg in the pizza crust? Blah blah blah. And so he said, "So you don't want cheese on that?" And we're like, "Why? We're like, want why wouldn't we want because, cheese? Because you have an egg allergy." We're like, "Cheese doesn't have." <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. And that's not the first time that's happened. Oh God, no. And Insert I'm okay with someone. I'm okay <laughs> with the waiter saying, "Listen, I really don't know that. Let me go check." It's when they. I much to prefer know. that when they try to make come off like, "Well, I do know what you're talking." When you really you don't. don't. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yeah, it's that those are the moments that you're just like, come on, I would rather you like you said, Rachel, admit, I don't know what you're talking about. But let me go find somebody that probably has more of an idea than I do, rather than making all of these different assumptions at things that they might have heard in the media, or things they might have saw on TikTok, (laughs) or things like that. And then that is how they make their decisions and how they're going to interact with people that they think have like an allergy to something else when it that's not really what they're trying to communicate. And like, I don't know, I feel like people in the whole allergy and immune space understand, but like people who are not in that space, you know, it's very hard for them to, you know, they tend to link all of the allergies together and they're like, oh, well, if you're allergic to this, then you're probably allergic to this, 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 mm-hmm. this, and this. And it's like, just listen to what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> just listen. I think that's really true, though. People in the in the autoimmune community, I think, do understand it a little bit better because so many people in the autoimmune community are on some kind of restricted eating diet. or diet, you know, whether it's paleo or Whole30 or AIP or a specific carbohydrate diet. I mean, they're all on something. So I think in the spirit of transparency, I do not know what any of those diets mean. <laughs> not any. <laughs> I think. Um, I think they are more sensitive because while they may not be eating those foods, they may not be allergic. They know that those foods, you know, don't make them feel well and it can, you know, create a flare up or it can make their condition worse. So I I agree with you on that. I think they are more sensitive to it. Yeah, I definitely, it sucks, but I feel like people should just ask more questions instead of make a bunch of assumptions. I think that that would help across the board, especially seeing different TV shows or different things on social media where there's depictions of autoimmune conditions and diseases and allergies of any sort. And then people, you know, desensitizing the severity of them. Oh my God, I could talk about that for hours. Oh, (laughs) Why does the bullied kid always have to have food allergies and it's looked at as like a problem? They're like, oh, he exactly. ruins everything. He's allergic to peanuts. Get the EpiPen. Like, I and, hate that. And why are allergic reactions considered funny. comic gold? It's like, not why, funny. Why do writers, producers, you know, of, of movies and television shows think that a child or even an adult having an allergic reaction is funny? It, it's not funny. No, it's not. I don't get that at all. I see it more and more often in mainstream media. And I just, it baffles me. Like, we'll turn it off or we'll, uh, I can't even even tell you how many comedians we have now. Like, we don't talk about. (laughs) It's just, it's a lack, it's a lack of empathy that we wouldn't want anyone else to feel like hurt by. So I do not, I do not like how they're represented like that. I think my favorite thing though, is when people like actually just demonstrate that they care, like you don't have to understand, you don't have to know, as long as I know that you're looking out for me or that you know and respect that I have allergies or you just care about me, 
like that makes a world of difference. That really, really does right. just to know someone cares. If a parent called me and said, hey, we're having a birthday party. I know Ari can't eat. What can I provide for them? That alone, just the reaching out, just telling me that you care, that made all the difference to me. Now, chances are I would probably have him bring his own thing because I don't trust anybody yeah, providing anything for my child. But, but the fact that somebody reached out right. and made the effort just that that's all it volumes. takes. That's all it takes. If you literally mm-hmm. just ask or show any sign of like, I'm here to help you, even if you can't eat or just letting me know, like, oh my goodness, that, that means the world to me every time. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, but on that topic, what are some other things that you think like you would give as advice to people who may not have food allergies or allergies or autoimmune conditions and they're not personally dealing with it, but they're around people that do. What is your advice to them on how to be able to, you know, show that support that we've been talking about? I'd say just openly listen, like really just take the time and the space to listen to what the, if they're suffering from an autoimmune condition or allergies, just take the time to listen to what they really need from you. I feel like that makes a world of difference. How about you, mom? No, I agree with you. Oh, wow. That's a first. I agree with you. <laughs> I mean, if, if somebody, you know, I spent a very big chunk of my early parental life trying to um, be perfect when it came to food allergies. I, I always felt like it was People looked at food allergies because again, this was a long time ago. Nobody really knew about food allergies. Nobody really knew about celiac. Nobody knew about any of that stuff. So I felt like I was always climbing an uphill battle. And I felt like it was my responsibility to be the educator all the time because it was my kid. And along with that, I felt that it was my job to kind of dispel all the myths about allergic, you know, food allergy and food allergies and food. So I would always try to make like the cupcakes perfect. So they look just like the regular cupcakes and, you know, the cake had to be, and I would get very frustrated because I am anything but a decorator. Like I am the anti-artist. I mean, it took me a very long time for like a two layer cake, not to look like a disaster. So I was always- It was adorable, the leaning tower of cake. (laughs) I was always trying (laughs) to make things look perfect so that the non-allergy community would say, oh, that looks normal, you know? So if somebody would have said to me, you know, Rachel, this is great and you're keeping your kids safe, don't worry about it, I probably would have backed off. But, you know, if I had known then what I know now, that really intent trumps perfection. Intent trumps perfection. It's not about it being perfect, it's about the intent. And the intent is to keep my kids safe and to make something that he can eat or she can eat that's delicious, that they love, and that it's safe. That's kind of became my mantra. And I still kind of go cuckoo when it comes to like a, a cake. And if it's not coming out, the kids know that as soon as the, the first foot stamp happens in the kitchen, like it's abort mission, like leave the house, <laughs> poss- possibly the country. Because there's going to be like a whole bunch of stuff going on and things are going to come out of my mouth. And it's not pretty, <laughs> but I've gotten a little bit better over the years because at the end of the day, I'm keeping them safe. Exactly. And that's what's the most important for sure. 
But uh, could you walk us through, you know, like the journey of the challenges that you've all had with, you know, discovering your family's, you know, dietary restrictions, you know, whether it's due to allergies, you know, autoimmune conditions and how this led to you all both starting your YouTube channel because I said so. If you had told me a few years ago that we'd be doing this. You would have laughed. It was a lot of unique circumstances. I didn't even know what a podcast okay. was a few years ago. So. <laughs> okay, so I say you start with that. You know, we're just going to riff off each other. So you start with the challenges. Mommy. I'll pop in with the YouTube channel. It'll all be good. The challenges. <laughs> challenges. I mean, the challenges are everything that we've been discussing. The challenges are that the food allergy changes people's lives. And the thing is, is that, you know, I, I'm discussing what it was like you know, back in the early 2000s when there was no information and I felt overwhelmed. And the interesting thing is that there is so much information now and people are even more overwhelmed. And you can go on any social media group for food allergies and it's story after story of people being worried and what do I do? And this happened to my child and what should I do? And have you seen, what are the ingredients? And people are still, overwhelmed and scared that doesn't change um the landscape has changed a little bit you know there's more things that we can buy now so that's not as challenging as it used to be family vacations are always challenging uh you know we don't like flying a lot so you know our our method of travel has been by car and you know going on vacation is really no vacation for me because (laughs) We've packed like giant coolers. We're packing coolers and I'm cooking and then we're, you know, we're finding a hotel with a kitchen and then we have to go grocery shopping and it's not, you know, it's all. That's me and my family. Those are challenges, right? Those don't change. It just, the process becomes easier. The challenge in particular that led to the creation of the YouTube sensation cooking show, because I said so. Um, she was, loves saying I that, love saying it. The challenge was <laughs> me learning how to do all of this by myself. So I came home from college in March when, of course, everything happened with the pandemic. Um, I came home and with all this quarantine time, I ended up trying to cook with mom a lot. I would help her make our allergy friendly dinners, our snacks and lunches. And I realized that I had no idea how to make anything like I was useless to her useless like in the kitchen I couldn't (laughs) cut vegetables I couldn't fry I couldn't roast I couldn't do anything and mom kept saying how are you going to do this when you go back to college how are you going to provide safe meals for yourself and what are your what are your friends doing I was like I don't know I guess they do takeout I don't know I guess they go to restaurants but how do you even do that if the dining halls are closed if it's a pandemic if restaurants are closed so on our 9,000th family walk of the pandemic we were talking again about this about how we didn't know how I was going to provide for myself when I went back, how my friends were providing for themselves. And you said very jokingly, we should start a cooking channel. And then it was like a moment of seriousness, like we We should start start a a cooking cooking channel. channel. And the idea, we had the time, we had the boredom. And in August of 2020, we started- We we had a need. We had a need, yeah. I think that's more important. Okay, well, there was- Boredom in my the boredom. How March 13th. I've like cooked dinner since March 13th. Like 9,000 times. I mean, how many days? There's a 525,000. Okay. There's been a lot of dinners. dinners. <laughs> um, 
August 2020, <laughs> we made our first Because I Said So video. Our original intent was to reach out to college students. That was our only mission. It was called Because I Said So Cooking for College. We were like, we're going to teach them how to make easy meals. But pretty quickly, we realized that not only do we serve the need to make easy meals for college students, we make allergy-friendly meals. And that serves a huge need, not just for college students, but for families who need easy weeknight meals or for people of all ages who have been diagnosed with allergies who need to learn how to cook for themselves. We changed the name to from our channel very recently. It's still because I said so, but now it's because I said so cooking for you. So we now started mm. making, focusing on the allergy friendly side of our cooking channel, making sure that our meals have tons of different options and substitutions so that everyone can eat mm -hmm. safely. And now we cater to a very wide demographic, which we never really saw. We that, never saw, saw that, that coming. coming, especially in the allergy world, because I guess no matter what we do, it always comes back to allergies. We understand that need. And in everything we do, we want to help people eat safely. It's just kind of a part of us. And we were also kind of afraid that because we were only focusing like on allergy type recipes. We were so scared people weren't gonna that watch. That people wouldn't watch because we don't have eggs in our house. We don't have nuts in our house. So it, it was really pleasantly surprising when we started getting requests like, oh, can you do more dairy free stuff? Or, oh, remember we saw we saw somebody on a walk at the park, at the park that we knew. They were like, hi, oh mm -hmm. my God, we just made your pumpkin bread. My daughter was just diagnosed with celiac. And I was like, and we, <gasps> we, the thing, the story behind that's when it hit me like oh my god like people, people are, are watching this, this. Like you're helping people the story behind that which was so funny is we were like pumpkin bread was hard because we wanted to make a gluten-free option but literally bread is in the name and we were like is it worth it is it worth it who really watches it who really needs it we decided to make a gluten-free option and two days later someone made it and that was like when it hit us like no matter what we do we have to make sure it's as inclusive as possible Wow, that's that's such a really cool story of being able to have it where it starts from you wanting to teach your daughter how to be able to do these things on her own, you know, during a pandemic, which is a perfect time. Literally, everyone was making pumpkin bread, banana bread, <laughs> literally you anything. Find a lot of those things on the shelves in the grocery store either. Yeah, like it, it was gone next yeah. to the potato chips, like flour, yeast. <laughs> It's like a run yes. on yeast. Good, we were gluten-free, man. <laughs> Everybody's making sourdough bread. Right, exactly. And it's so cool to see how it has transformed over time to having it where it was just for, you know, college students to being for, you know, not only college students with allergies and other different dietary restrictions, but for anyone who has those types of restrictions, you know, whether it's an individual, whether it's a family. So I think that that's really cool how over time it's kind of transformed. But like, what has been your favorite thing to learn how to make Leia? Oh my God, so many. When I really think, <laughs> I'm excited, woman. When I think back about it, like a year later, like, it's crazy to realize how little I could do, but I think my favorite thing is learning <laughs> how to make, like over all of this, either we have a really good pizza recipe that I learned how to make or something called sun cakes, which are basically like pancakes, but they have corn in them. So like the sun, they're very like yellow. Corn cakes. Like corn cakes, yeah. Because those are two mm. very simple meals that I can really see myself making. Like I can really see myself coming home from class and frying up some sun cakes <laughs> and then I can eat them and they're vegan and they're gluten-free optional and they're nut free. And like I can eat that and they're really good. I can give them to my roommates too. So like 
I can make dinner for myself. So that was my favorite thing about how to do. And I think you've also learned how to sort of meal prep. A little bit, yeah. You know, how to combine certain things like, you know, beans and a grain and a vegetable and you know yeah. how to roast vegetables now. Yes, you made very sure I knew how to roast vegetables. <laughs> very. <important. laughs> so I think you've learned a lot of that too. <laughs> things that have staying power. Now, what are some of your favorite you know, recipes or maybe just a single recipe that you enjoy making together. Aww. What do you like making with me, Mom? Okay, so <laughs> it's never good when it starts with Okay, so oh, I didn't so... do that. I'm gonna I'm gonna rephrase the question. Oh no. No, it's not bad. She <laughs> always assumes it's bad. You now literally it's... just went I understand. When my mom says it, I'm like, oh no, what's going on? This is what I love. Okay. I love that there's like a, a hum in the kitchen. I love when we get to work side by, by side. side. That is nice. It doesn't really matter what the recipe is. I mean, the, the most fun recipe that we've actually oh. made together for Because I Said So was pumpkin bread. It was so funny. She was like whacking me with the spoon. Because she wasn't using the right things and she wasn't measuring and she was dumping everything and she was using the wrong utensil. So it was that actually- was fun. It was sort of nothing short of an I Love Lucy episode. <laughs> but I like- mother-daughter connection where she's doing one thing I'm doing another so we typically make pizza Wednesday which we're gonna make after this actually um so I roast the vegetables and make the big salad and she makes the pizza pizza. and And while we're doing it we like we like talk about our day I complain that I'm not doing things right like I dump in the wrong ingredient but like it's fun like we're just together now sometimes it doesn't always go that way (laughs) (laughs) mad like like, you know those commercials for like um holiday cookies and And the kids are like smearing flour in this beautiful like curated kitchen it's not like that (laughs) you're like no (laughs) it's not like that but i i like being able to work side by side with her on on most things well that's why what ah that you you misinterpreted (laughs) it i wanted to rephrase the question because it's not just one recipe i enjoy the The experience the experience of being able to connect with my daughter through food i'm not topping that answer that's a really good answer (laughs) yeah it is i know for me growing up that's how i you know was able to learn how to cook was you know from my mom and you know being able to have those types of experiences where you're able to you know bond and you know looking back like i don't have one single recipe like you guys were saying that i enjoy making with my mom it's just like the whole like experience of doing it and being able to have those conversations especially you know when i would come home on the weekends and being able to help and then kind of doing like a check in like how are you doing how are your classes you know are you doing okay that type of thing so it for me as well as all about like the whole like experience exactly right that's really one of the um the positives we've had with you being home I mean obviously yeah. it's not supposed to be this way but it was an extra year of us actually being able to do that mm-hmm. so that was really nice we get a little closer to each other too when we're not annoying each other <laughs> It's part of the package. Now, I know for, you know, a lot of parents, you know, the whole idea of having to share the control in the kitchen or handing the control in the kitchen or anywhere, you know, over two kids might be, you know, overwhelming or like scary for them or they might think it's unsafe. So (laughs) what is your advice to help parents, 
you know, kind of chill out a little bit when it comes to being able to learn how to, you know, navigate the kitchen. I'd love to hear your advice on how to chill out in the kitchen. Go, mom, tell the parents. <laughs> <laughs> you actually have mellowed out. The She's shaking time. her head. <laughs> the first time I held a knife, it was like, oh, okay, I still cringe. It was like when World War III. She goes, oh my God, Leia, put that down. <laughs> That's not how you hold it right. Hey, well, you're going to chop off the finger. I mean, even now I still cringe because I've taught her the basic skills of All life. Right. What's your advice? What's your advice? Is to keep it simple. That's my advice. Keep it as simple as possible. And this is what I tell people uh, when it comes to like people who have had also diagnosis, like new diagnosis of food allergies is that don't overcomplicate things. You really need to keep things simple. Find things that, that you like and find an easy way to prepare them that everybody likes. And if it means you have to do it over and over and over and over, that's okay until <laughs> you, know, you get your footing. And it's the same thing being in the kitchen, find things that are simple for parents to do with their children where nobody's gonna really kill each other and um, work and work from there. How was that? That was good, that was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is good advice. I know, you know, for me, when I started out cooking, it was doing things that are like smaller that might not necessarily be involved with, you know, a stove at first and kind of like just working your way up. I know one experience um, when I was living in another state and my friend was over and my mom was teaching us how to cook something. We were using like this um, container to be able to mix everything in and apparently we had to turn on an eye on the stove and my friend forgot that the plastic was on the stove and turned the eye on it was just a it was just a really bad situation my mom was so so mad she was so mad um but yeah just being able to have it where it's okay to make mistakes to a certain extent in the kitchen because sometimes those mistakes can be super costly. But being able to have it where it's like an environment where like you're able to like learn and you're able to start off small and then work your way up to being able to make, you know, like you guys said, the leaning tower of the cakes and the things <laughs> like that. You don't want to get too overwhelmed. Don't find things with a million ingredients in them. Really keep it basic. And most of the stuff, you know, I'm not, it's funny with all the years that I've been cooking and the fact that we even have a, our own cooking show, there are people who are way better cooks than I am. I'm not like a five-star cook, but again, it's the intent trumping perfection. I know I'm never going to be that person. I'm not going to be, you know, cake boss quality cakes and, Gordon or Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> I make things that people like and that people request over and over again. So again, intent trumps perfection. And I think what makes the channel, because I said so, so like attractive is how accessible you all make the recipes on your channel and how, you know, families and even people who are watching can picture themselves making these things in their kitchen. So my question for you all is like, how do you go about, you know, developing the recipes or just the whole process of making the recipes that you all share on because I said so? Yeah. So a week in our filming life. Um, we sit down every Sunday to start off the week with a little strategizing session. So we say, do we have any holidays coming up? Like first we like start identifying the recipes. So we like have a little checklist, like, are there any holidays coming up? We want a recipe for, um, is there any seasonal stuff coming up? And then what do we wish 
that I knew how to make? That's a question we ask ourselves a lot. What do we wish Leia knew how to make? Um, like what would Leia make? At what school? would Leia make at school? And then we take it from there. And that's how we weekly decide our recipes. We spend the first half of the week doing like publicity stuff on our social media pages, just having some fun. Uh, Thursday, we prepare our introduction and kind of the general flow of how the recipe is going to go. Because besides our introduction, we don't script our episodes. We think it's more fun that way. And then Friday morning, we set up our homemade studio with our little ring lights. We take our chosen recipe and we just go for it. But basically we choose our recipes based on a number of factors. So like, what was the last one we did? Oh, the coconut chocolate thing. For the holiday. The last one we did was for a Passover and Easter recipe. And we said, okay, next week is Passover and Easter. So we need a recipe that works for both. And we thought of a simple one that I could make. We thought of something that was allergy friendly. And we came up with a coconut chocolate tart that we ended up making for the week. And that's kind of how we decide stuff. Any insight? No, we, I mean, always looking for seasonal things. You yeah. know, whatever produce is in season at the time. You know, in the beginning there wasn't as much stuff available because of the, you know, we were in lockdown. So, you know, it wasn't easy to get to the grocery store or to have groceries delivered. So we were kind of limited in what we could do. Again, what she said, holidays, we also want to make sure that it's easy. Oh yeah. Uh, Again, keeping with the simple and not being overwhelmed, you know, people who watch are people who have never cooked or baked before. So we try to keep, be sensitive to that. And then there are people who do, and they're just looking for new recipes. So we also want to make sure that we're not challenging them, but giving them what they need too. I always take into consideration if a recipe is going to require like a food processor, because we know a lot of kids in college don't have food processors, what's accessible to them in terms of, you know, groceries. So we always have to keep all of the balance, all of those. And every now and then we'll do a recipe that's geared toward now that we've changed our name, you know, for you as opposed to for the college students. So we've kind of been able to branch out a little bit more with some of the recipes. We also make sure that whatever recipe we choose has options if there's allergens included. So that's a big consideration. Yeah, I think those are all really, that's like really cool, like sneak peek into you all's process on, you know, how you consider what recipes you all are going to make for your channel. What are some tips that you all have for people who are new to cooking, especially, you know, allergy friendly cooking? You know way more about this. Uh, well, again, simplicity is everything. You need to make it simple, not something that has way too many ingredients. You also have to know if your allergens are in certain things. So you need to you need to know when you read something if that's okay for you to use. We try to make it inclusive for everybody. Everything that we typically make is egg-free. Egg, well, everything's egg and nut Everything free. is egg and nut-free. We sometimes make dairy-free, sometimes, sometimes gluten-free. gluten-free. A lot of it's soy-free um, by extent, but not everything. Also, you need to get a few things. <laughs> you should not be cutting with like a butter knife if you're cutting vegetables. Like you need, you, you need to have real utensils, just a few like gadget type things that you should, every standard household or college dorm should have. You should have a really good knife and you should know how to use it. Those types mm-hmm. of things. You should have a mixing bowl. (laughs) You should have like pantry items, you know, applesauce, which is always a great replacer, flour, you know, whether it's gluten-free or oat, you should be well-stocked. Those are really important things to have, especially with, you know, food allergy, when you're starting with food allergies. 
I know you mentioned, you know, applesauce being able to be used as like a substitute when you're, you know, you're baking. What are some of you all's go-to uh, allergen substitutes for cooking and baking? Um, so applesauce is good. Also, it really depends on the recipe. Like what are some of your typical go-tos? Well, some of my go-tos are energy. The, oh, the egg, the egg replacer. Oh, also coconut milk and apple cider vinegar for some recipes. Right. Apple cider vinegar uh, mixed, like it makes a buttermilk when you mix it with milk and that can use, be used with oil as an egg replacer. Um, there's a ton of different egg replacers now that you can use, but it really depends on the product. You know, if you're making, you know, I don't know, a pound cake, you wouldn't use flaxseed because <laughs> that's just not gonna <laughs> work, you know? Right. Um, but energy and applesauce are good for baked goods. So we use a lot of that, like the chocolate chip cookies that I've been perfecting for the years use energy. And I've used multiple different things. I mean, I tried to make um, matzo balls once with flaxseed and that was- We ended up using quinoa flakes. That was just not good. So- Oh, we also figured out how to do an egg wash. Ah, a fake egg wash. A so fake egg wash. you know how like on there's like on bread, like they like wipe it with eggs so it looks all shiny. And we were mm -hmm. like beating ourselves up at how on earth do we do that? So mom figured out the secret, what we do to put on top of our bread if we want it to be like shiny and sweet. <laughs> we put in a little bit of coconut milk, a little bit of maple syrup in a bowl, and we whisk it up and then it creates kind of like a glaze and we spread it all over the bread and then we sprinkle sugar on top. It's like a and caramelized it, it's like a caramelized egg glaze. wash. So that's one of our favorite substitutions. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah, yeah fun tip. Yeah. It's really good. So good. We make challah. We put it on top. And it's not shiny. It's kind of matte, but it's but it, it tastes helps, good. It helps it brown nicely. <laughs> it really is very good. Yeah. So those are just some of the things. Some helpful tips. Some helpful. <laughs> oh. Oh, aquafaba. Oh, aquafaba. Aquafaba is like. I feel like everyone knows that now. But you know what? People really don't. Like, if I say aquafaba, people look at me like I'm crazy. I mean, aquafaba is an amazing egg replacer and it's great. If you don't know what aquafaba is, hashtag chickpea liquid. Chickpea liquid. And it makes the most amazing mousse. So, we, I mean, I can't even tell you how much chocolate mousse we ate. We were eating a lot of chickpeas in the beginning of the pandemic. And so a lot. I was making a ton of chocolate mousse. I mean, we were having chocolate mousse like every night because we were eating a lot of beans. And you're like, what do I do with this? Let's make some mousse. Why don't waste it? Yeah. So oh my, we literally, I think we ate it like every day. That's funny. That's hilarious. But speaking of, you know, other tips, we talked about a little bit about being on a college campus or just being in college and whether you're on campus or whether you're, you know, living on your own and having to, you know, navigate being able to cook for yourself and, you know, navigating those types of situations. So what are like some of your like quick hacks and like tips that you would give to someone that's like trying to navigate their college cafeteria um, that has, you know, food allergies, autoimmune conditions, you know, things like that. So what worked for me and in college, but first, I guess I have to preface off by saying I was so far from perfect my freshman year. Oh my goodness. I will concur with that. <laughs> I would. Oh my goodness. Like thinking back about the things I did, sometimes I'd be like, Oh, I think I'll just skip a meal here. I think I'll just eat a snack here instead. So I guess my first tip would be, please make sure to take care of yourself. 
Um, that's my first thing. Whatever it is, whether it's having snacks here or a meal here, making sure you provide for yourself, just make sure you take care of yourself. But here is, I guess, Leia's guide to college success. One, make sure you do have snacks back in your dorm. Most dorms do have a mini fridge and like, of yes. course, a closet. So things that really helped me, I would have yogurts in my mini fridge because that was always a good grab and go. I would have Made Good is a brand I really liked. They make granola bars that are like not egg vegan. Um, what else? I had Belvita bars, which if you're gluten-free doesn't work, but it worked for me. Um, I had I had crunchy chickpeas from the Good Bean. That's another company I really like. Yes. I had Wow Butter, fake um, peanut butter in my fridge all the time, all the time. Um, so I guess Leia's Actually, first- then you switched to real, not real peanut butter when we found out you weren't allergic to peanuts. Oh yeah, fun fact. I'm allergic <laughs> to every single nut except peanuts. But Leia's first life hack is make sure you have stuff back in your dorm, especially for days where you just do not feel like going to the dining hall early in the morning. I would just grab a yogurt. My other plan, um, Leia's easy hack, tip i can't talk apparently ask mom to send you packages. that was not what i was gonna say <laughs> although ask your mom to send you packages which i did quite a bit um make sure you have a point of contact in your dining hall to talk to like they're usually i mean my university again like you valencia one of the reasons i decided to go to my college was because they're good allergy procedures but most colleges do have a head of dining or a head of food management make sure you have a contact a person to talk to if you are having an issue or if you need um, allergy help. Um, I guess Leia's last tip and trick would just be when in doubt, I would always say like things that are sealed or produce would always be my go-to points if I was nervous. If I didn't know what to eat, I knew I had a safe spot in fruits and vegetables yes. and I knew I had a safe spot if I could read the ingredients. So that would be Leia's last tip and trick. I especially that last one if it doesn't have a label and you can't and you oh, don't know what the ingredients are most likely you probably should not eat it because you just yep. don't know what's in it that's not worth it yes and I definitely agree there's so many mornings when I would be like you know I'd rather get 15 minutes more of sleep than yep. going to the cafeteria so having things on College hand like which will yes. win out it's like a huge battle of which will win out is it homework or friends is it eating or sleeping like it's, what do i need more right it's like, now ah, you know i feel like i need more sleep in this moment so yep. i will just go and get my 15 minutes more sleep or five minutes or 10 minutes or however much time and go and grab you know a go macro bar one of my favorite bars from them is their sunflower seed butter and chocolate one that sounds good it's really good. I like it because I have nut allergies as well, especially to macadamia nuts. So when you said macadamia nuts, I was like, oh my gosh, yep. never happens where I come across somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I have like every time I see a macadamia nut or like I'll see it like on a shelf for like the milk and stuff like that. I always have to be careful, especially because of that nut being in so many different products, whether it's food or hair yeah. care or things like that. You just with that one, they literally made so many different oh. products for it. So I always have to keep my eye out on that one. People are like, it looks nice. It looks pretty. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't care. They really trick you up with hair products. Yes. I had a shampoo and it had nut oil in it. I was like, come on. It made my curls look good. Actually, I remember when we dropped Leia off when she was a freshman, I had like literally overloaded like a big plastic bin full of snacks. And she's like, mom, it's enough. Mom. I'm like, I'm telling you, you're going to want I ate them all. And every she, single she one. ate every single one. Yeah, right. More. But the funny thing was, I'm like, we can't be the only family that has to deal with stuff like this. And as we were driving off campus, you know, other people were unloading their cars right. and I saw like a bigger bin, like bigger than the one we had. And it was like chock full wow. of like, it was algae free food. And I knew that it was algae free because I knew all the labels. Right. We're not alone. alone. I'm like, you're not alone. You're not alone. <laughs> so yay, there's one of us out here, at least one. I was like, maybe I should hop out of the car and find out who this person is. <laughs> like, be my friend. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, no, definitely. I agree with all of your tips, especially being able to have a relationship with the people in your dining hall. At first, not going to lie, when I first got to college, I was very like, eh, I don't know. I don't want to be a bother. I don't want to go up and have to have that conversation. And, you know, I, I get really nervous sometimes. And I'm just like, eh, eh, I don't want to have to deal with it. But then I was put in a situation where like something wasn't labeled. And then I was like, okay, I have to have this conversation with them because I need to know what exactly is in the different foods that are in the cafeteria and knowing beforehand. So I definitely agree with you, especially for that tip in particular. I guess we can get right into the fun game that I have planned for you I'm guys. I'm so excited. Yes. I'm so excited. And I'm so nervous. Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. But the game is called Spot the Allergen. And so I will read off ingredients for a dish. And then we will see if you guys can spot the allergen. So the majority of the allergens, they're going to be from the top eight allergen list but even if they aren't and you recognize some sort of an allergen because I know sesame is a really big one as well so even if you notice something that's not on the top eight you can still say it of course but it's just mainly going to be from the top eight so are you guys ready I'm ready mom you're fine (laughs) you knew you're gonna get all the answers not me (laughs) not true what if I don't then we learn for the future. That is the whole point of this podcast, mother. No, it's about perfection. Oh, what? <laughs> Who just spent an hour saying intent trumps perfection? Okay, we are ready. Uh, we are ready. <laughs> okay. So the first recipe, I'm going to read off the ingredients for it. Um, milk, vanilla ice cream, vanilla extract, Malted milk powder and crushed malted milk balls. Well, I don't want to state the obvious here, but I do hear a dairy allergy. <laughs> I hear that milk a lot. <laughs> oh, also, well, there's also egg because vanilla ice cream, depending on the type of ice cream it is, is typically made with egg yolks, especially like the creamy vanilla ones. Mm-hmm. Um, they are made with egg. Um, malted malted powder i would say that's dairy i already said that answer mother i understand (laughs) i'm trying to think if malted powder would have anything else like egg i'm not sure i don't know i feel like we're missing something we may be and the last one you said was milk balls 
yeah well if I see like if I see like like milk duds or like any kind of balls in the store it usually is always at least in a factory with nuts in it so I'm usually like no thank you right yeah I would say egg for the ice cream obviously now extra well extract sometimes things are added to extracts like I usually go with pure extracts um sometimes corn syrup is added to extracts so if you have a also corn, probably an ice cream too yeah if you have a corn allergy that could be something so uh-huh. egg corn egg corn there may milk, be soy nuts. in the you milk you can't did. just say all the allergens <laughs> no, but there actually may be like a soy lecithin there may be soy in some of the candy good point okay what's the final answer so of course the milk of course you know the eggs and the milk for the ice cream now for the malted milk powder and the balls obviously you know there's the milk aspect to it but also malted milk it's made from like a mixture of like malted barley and wheat flour yeah yeah i was gonna say that oh my god (laughs) i never would have suspected that yeah wow Exactly. And so like for some people just seeing like, you know, malted milk powder, they're like, oh, it has milk in it. But then if you have a dairy allergy and a gluten allergy or like a wheat allergy, then it's like, right, you're in trouble. Right. Oh, my goodness. See, because, you know, because gluten is not really our allergy. I mean, we we stay off of a lot of gluten just because of autoimmune issues, but it's not I'm sure someone with an allergy, allergy has right. had but, to deal with this. But before. when you don't have that allergy, yeah, it's you, not you a don't part of your world. It's not That's right. That's crazy. Wow. All right. Task okay. one. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one it's salmon fillets, olive oil, salt and pepper, pine nuts, and basil pesto. Okay. Um, I hear, I hear nuts. I hear pine nuts, um, uh, fish. fish and salmon, something in, in the pesto. Pesto has nuts, pine nuts, pine nuts. nuts. And sometimes, and sometimes pesto has some kind of like Parmesan cheese in it. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Um, so, okay. So dairy, salmon. fish, nuts. The only thing I would say about olive oil is that what kind of olive oil because when you go with like a sometimes oils are like cheap oils and they're combinations of different oils um which is why i always encourage to buy like you know um cold pressed or first whatever whatever it's called um so i would say maybe that could be an issue i'd also i always check whenever um I remember when I was pescatarian for a bit, whenever I would get fish in a restaurant, I would check to make sure what they were putting on the fish, which may be kind of a small thing, but I would always be like, what is it covered in? Like, well, I think it's covered in the basil pesto. Oh, that's an excellent point. Okay, so I definitely <laughs> asked that. So, yeah, so pesto, I mean, it depends on how people make pesto, All but right. there's definitely, there could be a cheese factor. Okay, so dairy, There could be a pineapple factor. There could be a nuts. mayo factor. Oh my God, so then egg. So basically the only innocent ingredient is salt and pepper. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe Melissa's well, gonna take okay. something else. Okay, we don't know. What's the answer? Oh, it was the salmon. 
Um, I didn't really think about the olive oil, but normally for me, I use like extra virgin, the cold pressed. So that's kind of like what I was thinking. And then the basil pesto because of, you know, the pine nuts and, you know, I know a lot of pestos, um, like have the cheese, like you were saying, cause I know like sometimes when me and my mom, we go out to get pizza or something like that. We always have to ask cause she's lactose intolerant, but I'm the one that has dairy allergies. And so we always ask to make sure, you know, is it a vegan pesto? Is there cheese in it? Kind of what's like the ingredients in the pesto? Cause you just don't know. And then the pine nuts cause they're nuts. Yep. <laughs> All right. You're doing good <laughs> so far. Is it going to get harder as we go along? I'm, I'm having trouble, but you know what? This is your domain. <laughs> it's going to get harder. No, because I try to make them the the recipe ingredients that I'm listing, like based, especially based off of, you know, the guest's allergens as well to make it easier for them to be able to identify, but also being able to choose different recipes that people might not, you know, listeners might not really know that that's an alternative name for an allergen. Right. So that's like the whole purpose of this game is to have it where like people are able to learn like, oh, like I didn't even really think about, you know, there being dairy and pesto or, you know, different things to look for in an olive oil or different things to look for, you know, when you're looking at ice creams, you know, whether you can eat dairy, but you can't eat eggs, you know, those types of things. Absolutely. It's very important. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> so the next uh ingredients i'm gonna list off is extra virgin olive oil lemon juice bulgur par parsley tomatoes salt and pepper oh not the salt and pepper and <laughs> the salt and pepper <laughs> and um mint leaves Okay. That sounds kind of yummy. <laughs> All right. Okay. It's a tabbouleh salad. So uh -oh. bulgur would be gluten. Um, no, this one actually looks pretty good. I feel like there's a catch. Well, okay. So <laughs> I could be like totally reaching too far for this, but it depends on the lemon juice. So if is it fresh lemon juice from a lemon or is it from like a little squeezy bottle, which has oh, that's sometimes that's like a preservatives in it. in it, which people can be sensitive to. I didn't so. think about that. I know. Well, that's why I'm here. Oh, right. I didn't think about that either when I was coming up with <laughs> it. So. Well, you know, you're making me like overcome. <laughs> this is what we do. Um, tomato. I mean, unless you have like allergies to tomatoes, which is up. true. People do have tomato allergies. I think yeah. this one is okay. I think we're good. You're good. It's the bulgur. All <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Yay. Well, I didn't know what bulgur meant at all. Bulgur so is definitely a, interesting a, to know. It's a grain. Oh, well, now the more I know. Okay. So the next one, these are pretty simple. These next two. So okay. baguette, mayonnaise, and Parmesan cheese. Okay, Leia, I'm going to give this one. To oh, you. okay, okay, okay. The baguette is gluten. Definitely gluten there. Um, the mayo has egg in it. Um, I've learned that. And Parmesan <laughs> cheese has dairy. Does mayo have dairy as well? Not typically. It, mayo is typically like egg and oil. It's I'm not sort a of fan of mayo. Uh, that is my final answer. Time. I am buzzing it in. Ding. 
you're correct. Yay! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, usually mayonnaise is usually like, you know, you were saying, Rachel, it's just egg-based and with oil or vinegar and things like that. It's just emulsified. I'm so. not a fan of yeah. mayo. I'm so sorry no. for any mayo listeners out there. <laughs> I have, I'm the type of person because I'm not really a big fan of mayo or just sauces in general anyway, um, but I do like having mayonnaise in my tuna sometimes, but I don't like it where it's like really, really wet tuna. Like it's like a fine oh, balance. I don't like wet tuna. It's just of a foodie like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm very picky on tuna, especially I'm not really a fan of like tuna that has like apples and like nuts for obvious reasons and like celery i'm not i don't like crunchy tuna i just like tuna i like like anything with pickles Mm. really i I like pickles to an extent it depends i'm in different funks where i'm like pickles and i'm like get me away from them that actually makes so much sense. Do you remember you bought? Okay, so we were going through like a pickle craze and then all of a sudden the pickle craze stopped, but we still had a jar of pickles and then we didn't touch it for like a solid year and we only recently got rid of it and it was like traumatic, like <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> I feel that though. This happens to me all the time. Have a jar of pickles now. Have not touched it. Yep. Probably yeah, should get thrown just, out. Don't touch it. You're like, but you don't want to open it because it's going to smell so bad. So it just... Sits well, the there. interesting thing is, is that you were all asking me again recently. How come you don't buy pickles anymore? Because uh, we still had the gross jar of pickles a jar in there. Touch <laughs> that jar. Like not that jar. Not that one. <laughs> and then the last recipe ingredients that we're going to go through is a salt, plain non-fat Greek yogurt, and flour. This is for a three-ingredient pizza dough. Oh, no. I saw that online. Um, actually, I saw it as a potato knish. It was like, but it had potatoes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, let's identify. Go ahead. You can do that. Me? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. <laughs> the salt seems innocent. Um, the yogurt, even if it's non fat Greek yogurt, it still has dairy. Um, again, a lactose intolerant sister learned that the hard way. And flour <laughs> is, of course, gluten. Ding ding ding. Yeah, ding, ding, ding. We got a winner. We got a winner. <laughs> that was the best. That ding, ding, ding was so solemn. It was a ding, ding, ding. <laughs> you guys did good. Those are, those are the, that's the game. I thought you, you guys were did really good. Way harder. I was waiting for you to use things like, I don't know, Ova albumin or Skyla <laughs> something or, you know, That's all the Google things that you for. don't know what they are. That's what Google is for. Like the things you see on the fair website where they list everything. Like yes. Every allergen in the world. And you're like, what is, wait, what is that? Is that my allergen in a different name? Okay. I don't think I'm going to see that name, but okay. That's good to know. You never know. Exactly, exactly. Especially with labels nowadays. You just oh. you just don't know if you're going to see macadamia nut on a label or if you're just going to see some weird funky name of a plant of what it is in like South Africa. And <laughs> that's going to be the name that's going to be on the label. Exactly. Honestly. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's actually really interesting, too, because the pandemic with all of the looser restrictions on some of the food companies, really made us very nervous like about things that we were typically buying that we knew were safe but Mm -hmm. you know 
they may have been putting things in that we didn't know. So, you know, we really tried to stick to more, you know, whole foods so that we didn't have right. to deal with those kinds of issues or things that were allergy free that we knew were allergy free items, you know, um, with a manufacturer that was allergy free. So that was really, that was really scary for a while, especially when they eased up on some of those restrictions, because you just didn't know we didn't try anything new over the last year at all. Exactly. Because with like you were saying, like all the different things that happened, like the supply chain and mm-hmm. companies not having access to typical ingredients that they would put in their products, you know, right. people like, hey, like, you know, this is similar to the same texture as this ingredient. So like, we're just going to yeah. sub it in there and not tell yeah. anyone. And surprise, if you have a reaction. <laughs> right. We're surprised. Ever. Well, we also felt, I don't know if you did this or not, but we also felt, you know, we were really nervous about takeout too, even yeah. with some chains that we, we would always frequent, but we, we would go in, we would be able to talk to a manager. It was typically the same person. And it was kind of a revolving door of people all throughout the year. You know, people were getting sick and they would have to replace them. You weren't allowed to go in. It was only pickup or curbside and you didn't have those discussions so we literally didn't order anything <laughs> for the whole year. Um, yeah, that was that was something that me and my family faced as well, you know, in combination with having to deal with that, not really knowing, especially with people's practices changing during this time. Right. And, you know, and then the whole thing of I don't really want to be, you know, out if I don't have to be during this time as well. So definitely been dealing with that. You know, we've been able to go out maybe a handful of times, but it's not the norm for us for sure. And it took a while before my mother was like, okay, we're in the clear to maybe, you know, start venturing out to the typical places we would go to not trying anything new. She was like, no, we're not trying anything new for sure now. Yeah, and I don't blame it, especially with everything and stuff. And then putting allergies on top of that and any other dietary restrictions that you have. And like, you're just, it's it's just a lot to the point where it's like, do I really want to put that much effort <laughs> when you're to, 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 when you're like going out and stuff? It's like, do you want to do that? No, you can do that. You can make it at home and then make it even, you know, better than what it might be, you know, going and getting takeout and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But my last question for you guys is for those who are new to, you know, the world of, you know, autoimmune conditions, allergies and intolerances, you know, what advice would you give them? Focus on what you can eat. Don't focus on what you can't eat. As soon as I made that shift, things got a lot easier for me. I was so hyper aware of what we couldn't eat to the point that it would make me angry all the time. And, you know, when we shut down like that, it doesn't give our brain any space to find solutions. And as soon as I started focusing on what we actually could, which was way more than I really thought, um, it started to become a little bit easier. So focus on what you can, not what you can't. That would be my That's number good. one piece of advice. I would say my number one piece of advice is that you are not alone by any means. When I was first diagnosed, I was with both Crohn's and allergies. I was so frustrated and I couldn't imagine that anyone was ever going through the same thing that I was. 
And I just felt so isolated. But over the years, I realized that there is a very strong community for both things of people who are facing similar challenges. So I would say you are not alone. You can find a community and also keep putting one foot in front of the other. It gets overwhelming to think about living a life with something that you can't change like that. But if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, how can I make today better? How can I make today a good day? It becomes a little bit easier to deal with. I think those are both really great pieces of advice. You know, whether you have allergies, whether you have autoimmune conditions or whether you have an intolerance, it's applicable to literally anything. I know for me, when I first started on my journey, I tended to focus on, you know, what I could not have. And I was like, okay, well, I can't eat this. I can't eat that, especially because I'm a pescatarian. I'm like, that adds a whole level to other things that I just, you know, don't eat. So it's like, okay, now that we've gotten out of the way of what I can't have, what can I have? And then what can I do with what I can have, you know, and getting creative and being able to, you know, navigate those types of situations. So I think that, you know, that piece of advice is pretty good. And then also, you know, realizing that you're not alone and that, you know, you have the Oh My Allergies podcast, you have Because I Said So, you have all these other really great resources that are out there to be able to help you along this journey, you know, no matter where you are on that journey. And this wasn't available to, to us years ago. And the interesting right. thing is, is we still didn't even know a lot of this stuff existed until we started doing a cooking because show. A, all and, the accounts on Instagram, this wonderful community of people, everyone follows each other. Right. Everyone's posting allergy food recipes and commenting how good it looks. Like it is a very strong online presence I did not expect. Yeah. Yeah. Right, it, for sure. I know that there's so many people that I've come across, you know, not only you all, but so many people of so many different ages, you know, whether, you know, they're in high school, whether they're in college, whether they're a parent, whether, you know, they've had it where they've maybe recently adopted kids and that's how they got into the allergy world. Like there's just so many ways of people that have gotten into this world and then being able to see that, you know, you're not alone. I mean, yeah, you're able to see like on the FAIR website that there's like 32 plus million Americans that have food allergies, but to be able to have them in more of an accessible way of being able to see it in the palm of your hand of some of those people that are affected by that is just really makes the difference for sure. I remember we did a, um, we were part of the, when they were doing the FAIR walks and Ari came with me to one of those FAIR walks and nobody in his class had food allergies. So he always felt like he was out on the sea by him, you know, the food allergies mm-hmm. by himself. And we manned one of the tables and like all these kids were coming up to the table and, and he just like came alive. He was like talking to them like, yeah, I have food allergies too. It was like, he found his people. And it was like so emotional for me. Like, like here we were and he, all these kids were looking up to him. They're like, well, I have food allergies. What do you do? And he's like, well, let me tell you what I do. <laughs> and it was just this whole new world for him had opened. That was really, that was very special to kind of watch that unfold. Yeah, that's, it's just amazing just to see all the things that, you know, everyone's doing in the food allergy community and in the immunology and autoimmune and all the different dietary restrictions communities. It's really cool to see, you know, them being able to, you know, come together and and being able to, you know, raise awareness for, you know, these types of conditions that are out there because, I mean, they are life-threatening 
Um, and so it's really important for people to keep, you know, moving the needle forward and being able to, you know, advocate for change. And thank yeah. you for putting oh my out gosh, thank you for doing this. Podcast. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's amazing. Really? It means the world to so many people. I mean, we're not just saying that because we got interviewed or anything, but <laughs> it really is amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. And all the things that you guys are doing on Because I Said So, your funny videos. I think it's so funny how you all started off your videos about the different comments you make about your daughter. We're like, you know, your daughter's spicy in the kitchen. It's so funny. It's so hilarious. I was laughing so hard when I was watching your videos. Oh, so thank you. But what are some ways that people can find you all? Uh, I'm gonna let well, my I'm gonna let my producer. <laughs> the communications majors need to speak. <laughs> okay, so here is how you can find because I said so. Step one: go on YouTube and type because I said so cooking for you. We'll pop right up with our smiling little faces. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Instagram at because I said so. Um, it's because I said so. Period underscore, but just type because I said so. You can find us on Facebook because I said so cooking for you. You can find us online at www matzaballfitness.com. If you don't know how to spell it, we have it all over YouTube and Instagram. You'll find us. And you can also email us too. But again, you can just find that on social media. We're everywhere. And yep. we're very good about answering. Oh, we love answering people. You can also find us on TikTok. She gets mad because when, I, I, said when so. I answer and I don't tell her that I'm Yeah, answering. because you just leave them unread. It's so rude. Come on, I read them. Uh-huh. <laughs> You can also find us. Emoji. Oh my gosh! You can also find us on TikTok. That was my Gen Z idea. At because I said so. That should be dragged into TikTok. You're having fun. Admit it. (laughs) And so it's such a dark hole into the TikTok. It's It's like once you see one, it's like you can't just just watch one. It's like you end up watching fifty. Twenty. Yeah. And then you're like, where did my life go? I went from sitting here, and like now it's dark time, and like I should be going to bed. But like, I want to watch more. <laughs> no, it's dark time. <laughs> so oh, funny. your body is signaling, signaling you for sleep. <laughs> exactly. But thank you so much for coming on the Oh My Allergies podcast. And all their links will be linked in the show notes for ways for you guys to find out where they are and to their YouTube channel, to their website, so you can find their recipes that they post, all of the things. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was such a really great conversation about cooking, about food allergies, autoimmune conditions. And there's just so many different nuggets of advice that are found in this episode. So thank you guys so much. Thanks, Thank you. Again, thank you so much to Rachel and Leah Packer of Because I Said So for coming on the Oh My Allergies podcast for just a really fun, entertaining uh, conversation about allergies, uh, Crohn's disease, what it's like being in college and navigating uh, social scenes with food allergies, cooking with allergies, how to be able to make cooking with allergies fun, and just honestly, just so much more. It was such a really great conversation filled with such a really great amount of knowledge and experience and it will help make cooking fun for 
a lot of different people who have food allergies just because when you tend to think of food allergies and being in the kitchen you think it might equal a headache and it can be a headache but really taking some of the tips that were dropped in this podcast episode um, really will be able to help you navigate the kitchen a little bit easier than previously within your allergy journey. So if you want to keep up with everything that Rachel and Leah Packer are doing through Because I Said So, then make sure to follow them on Instagram, which is because I said so dot underscore. And then also be sure to follow and subscribe to them on their YouTube channel, which is Because I Said So Cooking for you. I will have all of their uh, social media links and their YouTube channel linked in the show notes. So make sure to give them a follow. And I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and really were able to, you know, relate to a lot of the things that were talked about in this episode and were either able to learn something um, new from this podcast episode as well. If you are not subscribed to the Oh My Allergies podcast, like seriously, like what are you doing? Definitely hit that subscribe button on your podcast platform form of choice. Make sure to follow the Oh My Allergies Instagram page, which is at Oh My Allergies, just to keep up with what we are doing. That is our main social media site. So make sure that you follow us on there. We are on the road to a thousand followers, which is very, very, very crazy, but super, super exciting at the same time. Make sure to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It really helps with being able to just spread the Oh My Allergies podcast's reach and being able to have it where more and more people learn about our community. And make sure you keep on telling people that you know and don't know about the podcast. And I'll talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye, guys.